Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. I hope you had a wonderful season with your family and celebrating the coming of Jesus. And uh, we have been talking about his first coming. Then last Sunday, we talked about his last coming that is yet to happen. And so today I want to finish this idea about his coming of the now what? You know, we're in between the two comings. And so what does it matter? What difference does it make? What are we to do in the meantime? And so I want to take us to John chapter 17, because there's something there that is very, very important to each of us. Jesus had prayed this lengthy prayer, and then he gets to a section where he includes you and me. Now, you always want to pay attention to the words of Jesus, and you particularly want to pay attention to the prayers of Jesus, especially when it includes you. Because here's, here's what I can guarantee you. God's going to, the Father is going to answer those prayers. They're going to happen. You, you, can, you can bet your life on that. And, and so Jesus prays this prayer that specifically includes us. Uh, it's the final portion of Jesus' prayer. And, and he begins to talk about to the Father about future believers. And um, in fact, you, you and I actually live in what's called the church age. Um, Jesus left, ascended into heaven. The church age began and the day's coming when the church age is going to end. But you and I are in that age. And <clears throat> every one of us who have accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior have come to Christ directly through the witness of the apostles. That's where it started. The, the apostles became the witnesses for who Jesus was. And every one of us in this room that have asked Christ in our lives, it's because it began with that witness. That's how important that is. And you and I are the continuation of that witness. And uh, Jesus knew that his mission was going to succeed. I mean, he knew it was going to happen simply because he was God and his father was God. And he knew that it was the father's will and the father's will always happens. And so now here he comes and <clears throat> we are in this age where you and I we, we are carrying on the task of reaching future believers. So let's start with the prayer. Verse 20 of John chapter 17. Jesus said, I'm not pray, uh, I am praying not only for these disciples, his disciples that he had been training for three years, but also for all who will ever believe in me 
through their message. That's us. They started that message. Eventually the message got to you. And so Jesus is talking about us. So think about that for a moment. When you finally understood who Jesus was, when you made a decision to trust Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you're hearing the continuation of a message that started 2,000 years ago. Have you ever played that game in school where um, the teacher puts you in a circle and the teacher tells you a, a, a story just to you, and then you turn to the next person and you tell them, you repeat it, and then the next person repeats it, and then finally it gets to the last person and they share what they were told and how it had nothing to do with what the teacher said originally. I mean, it was amazing how the story just kind of lost its meaning and, and, uh, and it, nobody knew what in the, world, in the world did that come from. And it was because how things were changed from one person to the next. <clears throat> the message that you have heard that began 2,000 years ago has never changed. How amazing is that? With all the thousands and thousands and thousands of people that that hundreds of thousands, millions of people that that message has passed through, the message has never changed. Oh, that's amazing to me. He said, so I'm praying now for all those who are going to believe in me because of this message. Verse 21. I pray that they will all be one. So he's talking about unity. That they will all be one just as you and I are one. Well, that upped the game right there. I mean, he clarified, he clarified what that unity looks like. He clarified that our oneness together with each other is comparable to Jesus and the Father's oneness. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. So here's, here's what Jesus is praying. He, he is requesting of the Father a unity among future believers, that this unity is so powerful that it simply draws others to Jesus. That the unity that the church experiences, the, the unity that believers have with each other should have such a draw to it that other people want to be a part of that. So our unity is massive when it comes to the message. I mean, it, it, it's like the drawing power of drawing people to Jesus. They, they look at believers and they see the relationship, they see the commitment, they see the unconditional love and they wanna go, I want, I want that. I desperately need that kind of relationship. And, and that's what Jesus is praying for. Um, you know, admittedly, when a church is divided, it's, it's sad. And 
I've, I've witnessed so many churches being divided. It's scandalous, really, that people would put their petty opinions above the will of God in the prayer of Jesus. Now, listen to this one. When you put your petty opinions in the forefront, you're basically saying you don't give a rip about the prayers of Jesus. Because Jesus prayed just the opposite of that. In fact, when Jesus prayed that, and, and later on in another verse, it says, God says, there's a lot of things I hate, and one of the things I hate is disunity. And the reason why unity is so important in a local church, that that's like the magnet that draws people to Christ. And that's why we guard the unity, and that's why it is so important. Now, does that mean we have to just agree with everybody? No, it doesn't mean that at all. Does that mean you, you can disagree with us? Absolutely, you can disagree. But it's how you do it. You know, you, you can sit down and you can say, hey, uh, we need to talk about this. You know, I, I, here's my opinion, and, and here's what I'm thinking, but... It changes everything when your attitude is at the end of the conversation, I want there to be unity versus at the end of the conversation, I want my way. It's, it's like family. If having your way is the most important thing to you in your family, your family's going to suffer. And so does the family of God. So if you, if you have this attitude, you know, Jesus prayed for unity and, and Jesus prayed that we would have the unity that was just like the father and the son. And, and we know how amazing that was. So I've got to do my part and to do everything I can to protect and create that unity. Uh, that's why the Bible says, be peacemakers when you see disunity happening, step in and say, hey, how can I help y'all resolve this? You see, Jesus is not praying for a unity that there would be a single worldwide ecumenical church where uh, we all just, you know, we all just buy into the same thing. He, he's not even talking about that. Rather, he's talking about a unity of love. Hmm. You're a fellow believer. Therefore, you, you deserve my unconditional love. And we need to love unity because that's what Jesus prayed for us. And one of the, one of the ways we have unity is unity in our obedience to God and to his word. Being united in our commitment to him, that's the unity. So it's, it's like you say this to yourself. Hey, I'm not in a right relationship with this fellow Christian. And as long as I'm not in a right relationship with them, it's impossible for me to be in a right relationship with Jesus. In fact, isn't that why Jesus said, if, 
you come to give an offering and you remember that somebody has something against you, he says, go deal with that first. Why did he say that? Why would he say that that was more important than you giving your offering to the Lord? See, he was saying it's because they're connected. And when that one's out of whack, you're missing it on the relationship with God. Now, granted, I'm glad the Bible gives me an out where he says, be at peace with everyone as far as is possible. You know, there, there's some people that refuse to be at peace with you. I, I've experienced that. You know, I, I have made contact with somebody to try to resolve something and, you know, just had a phone hung up on me or maybe you've had that. I mean, you, you feel like you've done everything possible to make it right and, and they just refuse. And I think in that moment, God says, okay, you've done your part. You're no longer responsible. You've tried to make unity. God, God gets that. He understands that. And that's why he says, as far as possible. <clears throat> but make sure you're going by God's definition of far as possible, not yours. Well, I looked at him nice. I tried. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you got to really put some effort to it. But there's a point where the Holy Spirit may give you the freedom to say, okay, you don't have to try anymore. Unity is everything. And so we pray for unity of love. We pray for unity of obeying scripture together, obeying God and his word together. You, you know, if you, if you really want unity at the deepest level, it, it's when a group of people are agreeing together, we want to do God's will together. We want to obey God's will together. Man, that... That ups the game. It, you know, that's why I, I think it's great for someone to have the experience at some point of being a part of an athletic team with a singular goal of everybody being able to do their best and winning the game. And, and uh, there's a unity that comes with that. Um, and I was having a conversation with my grandson yesterday, and uh, he's on... He's the, one of the youngest kids on the robotic team at the school he goes to. And, and I, you know, I was just talking about him about how to be an encourager. I said, hey, so when somebody else on the team comes up with a better idea, you go and you pat him on the back and you celebrate that. And say, that's great because you're thinking about the team. They're doing something that's best for the team. And, and, uh, and he totally got that. He said, yeah, that's, I do that. And I, I was thankful to hear that. So we're on the same team, and whenever we together see God's will being fulfilled, we, we celebrate. We celebrate. With, you know, we go to somebody and say, hey, what you did, that was amazing. And, oh, and, you know, thank you that you brought your friend and they heard the gospel. And, uh, you know, God used you to help lead them to the Lord. And, I mean, we just encourage each other because we're trying to do the same thing. So there's unity in being obedient to God and his word. You know, there's a great difference between uniformity and unity. I, I don't look for uniformity at Gateway. It'd be boring. 
You know, there, there's the spice of life is our diversity of personalities and, and giftedness. And, and, and so uniformity, I, I don't know. That's just no fun. Um, and I don't think God calls us to that anyway. Oh, there's some things that are the non-negotiables like God's word being God's word and Jesus is the only way to be saved. We, you know, we, those are non-negotiables. But unity, you know, we, it's okay for us to have different opinions, but when it's about things that are not huge, we can have diversity and we show a lot of grace to each other. But the things that are hard and fast, how a person is saved, yeah, those are the non-negotiables. So God the Father did his works through the Son, and the Son always did what pleased the Father. And Jesus said, Father, let like you and I are one, let them be one with each other. So like Jesus, we do what pleases the Father. That's what we do. Verse 22, I have given them the glory that you gave me. Oh my goodness. I have given them the glory you gave me. So they may be one as we are one. You know, this refers to a believer's participation in all the attributes and the essence of God by the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in you. You know, we've talked many times before about the Holy of Holies and how that was such a sacred place. They had this massive curtain that might have been as much as 70 feet high and, and probably was somewhere in the neighborhood. It was curtain after curtain put together and it may have been as much as six feet wide. I, I mean, in depth. That's a serious curtain. And uh, only the high priest could go in there once a year after he had prepared himself. And when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain, that massive curtain tore from top to bottom. Only God could have done that. No human hands could have ever torn that curtain. And God did that for a purpose. He moved his residency. He's no longer in the temple, in the Holy of Holies, but he is in you. You are the Holy of Holies. Why don't we act like it? Everywhere you go, you're carrying the Holy of Holies with you. Let the, let the awesomeness of that, the power of that, the overwhelming idea of that keep you on your knees before holy God. I have given them the glory you, have, you gave me so they may be one as we are one. So every believer I encounter, guess what? They're the Holy of Holies as well. 
and they deserve my respect. They deserve my understanding. They deserve my love. So it's, it's the presence of the Holy Spirit in each of us that's sufficient to want us to be one, united together. In verse 23, he says, I am in them, so Jesus is in us, and you are in me, the Father is in Jesus, so guess where the Father is? In us. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. These, are, these words are overwhelming. The glory which Christ gave to us, I think he's maybe referring to the glory of the cross and certainly the coming of the Holy Spirit. So the unity that we have as believers is just like the unity the Son has with the Father, that Jesus has with the Father. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know. There's the purpose. Jesus said, let there be such incredible unity among, among believers that the outside world, the non-believers will know. They'll see the difference. They will see the difference of behavior and attitude, the care and the love that the world may know. That's our biggest tool of witnessing is our unity with each other. So the goal of the unity of the believers is twofold. That the world will believe that in Jesus and that the world will sense that God's love for believers is deep, intimate, and lasting. And I want to tell you, people who experience that long for it. When they see the depth of your love for the God and God's love for you, People that are empty long for that. And, and the reason why they will mock us sometimes is because they, they resent what you have. And maybe they've been blinded by the evil one and are convinced they can't have it, which that's a lie. Uh, I'm going to skip into a, another verse for a second. John 17, 11. I don't think this is going to be, not, this is not on the screen. Um, it says, now I am departing from the world and they are staying in the world, but I am coming to you, Holy Father. You have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. Did, did you think God's going to answer that prayer? Uh, absolutely. So what's your protection? The power of the name of God. 
the power of the name of holy God is your protection. Uh, let me ask you a question. Need anything more than that? Is there anything bigger or better than that? That's all you need. The power of the name of holy God. The name that has always been and always will be. The name that called everything into existence. The name that made a way for you to be saved. That's your protection. And God answered that prayer and continues to answer that prayer. All right, let's get back to our main passage. Uh, verse 24. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Now, let that one sink in for a second because I, I want to unfold that one for you. And, and then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. So here's what I want you to see is Jesus's last testament that we will enter into and see his glory. And not only that, we will share in that glory. So verse 24, that first part of that verse, that is actually why you get to go to heaven. Because Jesus prayed that you got to go to heaven. Now you, you go through heaven through the Jesus, but it's because Jesus prayed that you would be with him in heaven that you get to go to heaven. How about that? Let's go back and look at that prayer again. Father, I, I want these whom you have given me, and that includes you, to be with me where I am. And that's heaven. Then they can all see the glory you gave me. So the word all, he didn't say part, he said all. When you and I go to heaven, we will see all of God's glory, every bit of it. And we will share in that glory. Unbelievable. I mean, the power of this one verse in this prayer of Jesus, it's overwhelming. Don't underestimate what this verse is saying, what this prayer is saying. This is why you're, you're, you get to go to heaven. It's because Jesus willed it for you to be there. Father, I want these whom you have given me, so believers, to be with me where I am, heaven. Then they can see all the glory you gave me. And God held back nothing when it came to Jesus. Because you love me, even before the world began. Now, get this picture. You're going to see God the Father and Jesus 
just as they were before anything else was created. Before any star was put in place, before the earth was made, before the sun and the moon was made, you're going to see what the glory of God looked like. And you're going to share in that. I don't know. Sometimes I get to a verse like this and I just have to stop because I'm overwhelmed by it, trying to understand and comprehend what it's like. Um, let me skip to another verse that it's not going to be on the screen. 2 Corinthians 3.18. So all of us who have had the veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord and the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. That, that's heaven right there. That's what's going to happen. When you and I get to heaven, the veil that's between us and heaven right now is going to be completely removed. And you will see and also reflect so that means it becomes a part of you. You're mirroring the glory of God. And, and through the Spirit, you are made just to be just like the glorious image of Jesus. So you don't just look at it. You become it. You become that glory. Now, my puny little finite brain has a hard time wrapping around that. And I just read a verse like that and I want to go, wow. Unbelievable. What you and I are going to experience on that day. Whenever I'm with a believer, when they leave this world, I think about that verse to try to imagine what they're seeing and experiencing right now. Some of you have lost some loved ones this past year. And those that are believers, I want you to take just a moment and think about your loved one that right now at this moment, they are seeing and reflecting all of the glory of God and that they have been made completely into the image of Jesus. That should comfort you. That should fill you with warmth. That should overwhelm you knowing that that is waiting for you. Verse 25. O righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. 
Think about that. The love that God the Father has for his son has been put in you. That's the love you need to tap into to love other believers, to love non-believers. That's the love that you tap into to have unity with each other. That's the love that overcomes everything, everything. So if you want to know the key to everything I've said today, it's give God glory. Give God glory. The glory he's put in you, give it back to him by loving each other. So my mandate from scripture is I'm to love other people, including all their struggles and whatever they're going through, whatever their faults are. I'm to unconditionally love others the same way that the father loves the son. And there's no love that can compare to that. So let the glory of Jesus that's in you shine out of you. And that's how you change lives. Let's pray.